Rutherford County's Place the Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. We welcome everyone to the program. My name is J. Paul Newman. My co-host is District Attorney General Jennings Jones. We appreciate WGNS providing the airtime. And we thank our producer, Nick Coyne. Most of all, we thank you for listening. Today, in our Inside the Court segment, General Jones will tell you about recent and upcoming grand jury, general sessions, and circuit court activity. On our Call to Conviction segment, we will review a case that resulted in the very first Rutherford County prosecution under the Three Strikes Law. The victim in this case was Doreese Brown. With us to discuss the case will be the lead detective of the investigation, Detective Ty Downing of the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office. In our Cold Case Profile segment, we will discuss a case that occurred in 1978. It is the murder of someone we can only refer to as John Doe, as his true identity has never been established. We will begin the broadcast after you listen to these important messages. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City. And if a scaly friend is on your wish list, come check out our reptile department. We have lots of beautiful reptiles to choose from and all of the supplies to keep them happy and healthy. Animal City is at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Here at Animal City, we have both saltwater and freshwater fish and an experienced staff that can help you take great care of either. Animal City is at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Family Restaurants. Did you know that Demas's now can cater events? We can ship most of our pastas and we can deliver it to your door. If you're interested in our catering, you can go to demasesrestaurants.com and click on the menus on catering to see what options we have available for your next event. Demas's Family Restaurants, go to demasesrestaurants.com. Demas's Family Restaurants on 1115 Northwest Broad Street. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, Analexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system, reducing microorganisms including bacteria, viruses, and allergens. Call Precision Air, 612 That's 615-930-0088. Hi, this is Becky Bookner, and I'm just so proud to talk about the veterans in our community and what an incredible gift they've given all of us, and that's our freedom and the right to live in this country, and we're so grateful to them for the sacrifices they've made. 
We'll see mostly sunny skies here this afternoon with a high in the mid-80s. Winds out of the southwest are on 5 to 10 miles per hour. For tonight, partly cloudy and alone near 63. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 59. Good morning. Despite a little bit of fog out here in certain areas, traffic's been in pretty good shape for the most part out here now. A lot of holiday traffic already on the interstate out here. That means a lot of radar as well. We can confirm that. We've seen a lot of radar up and down. 24. Last time we saw them was just past 840. Ripley's Aquarium in the Smoky Sleep of the Sharks Pirate Edition. It's coming up on October 23rd. Log on to Ripley's Aquarium of the Smokies.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. A heart for healing. When life challenges become a torrential flood, there are local doctors, nurses, and medical technicians who help you maneuver the swift waters. Gordon Ferguson, President and CEO of St. Thomas Rutherford Hospital. Margaret Todd, a registered nurse anesthetist at the MMC Surgery Center, is the Heart for Healing recipient. Margaret is highly dedicated to each and every one of her patients, extremely skilled. She has a natural ability to calm fears and put people at ease. When you're around Margaret, one of the first things you notice is her passion for taking care of others. Margaret Todd, a registered nurse anesthetist at the Surgery Center at MMC. Margaret Todd receives dinner for two at the fabulous Alley on Main Street Restaurant. Submit your Heart for Healing nomination to WGNS. This is Inside the Courts. A look at this month's trials, pleas, and grand jury action. Inside the Courts is presented as a courtesy of the Rutherford County Clerk's Office. Good morning, everyone. This is your District Attorney, Jennings Jones. And in this segment, I will be your tour guide as I take you inside the courts. We begin this segment by stating that none of the defendants named in upcoming trials or hearings have been convicted, and, of course, they are presumed by our law to be innocent. With that as a prelude, we will now go inside the courts. On June 27 of 2018, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a shooting on Old Las Casas Pike. Upon arrival, officers located Dylan Biddle, Jr., who had sustained multiple gunshot wounds and later died from his injuries. Officers were also contacted about an unknown male that had been shot and was attempting to get into vehicles at the Reeves-Rogers Elementary School. That male was later identified as Albert Mustafa. Detective Doug Errington with the Murfreesboro Police Department was assigned as lead investigator on the case. Upon conclusion of his investigation, it was determined that Albert Mustafa and Devante James went to a residence on Old Las Casas with the intent to commit a robbery. Mustafa and James entered the residence and attempted to rob Mr. Biddle, who was a guest at the residence. During the course of the attempted robbery, Mr. Biddle was shot and killed. Mr. Biddle was able to return fire, and Mustafa sustained a gunshot wound as a result. Mr. Mustafa and Mr. James were charged with first-degree murder, felony murder, aggravated robbery, and employing a weapon during the commission of a dangerous felony. Mr. Mustafa is represented by counsel, Mr. Thomas Parkerson. James is represented by Charles Ward. The state will be represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. Both defendants remain in custody and await their next court date on September the 8th of this year. On April the 9th of 2020, 
Officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a residence on North Rutherford Boulevard in response to a shooting, resulting in the death of Stephen Lopez Jr. Lead investigator, Murfreesboro Detective Richard Presley, has charged Mr. James Evans III with the second-degree murder of Mr. Lopez. On July 1st of last year, Mr. Evans waived his right to a preliminary hearing and bound his case over to the grand jury. In March of this year, the grand jury returned a true bill against Mr. Evans on charges of second-degree murder and possession of a weapon. Mr. Evans, who is now represented by Mr. Jack Mitchell, has waived his right to an arraignment before a circuit court judge. His next scheduled court date is June the 7th, 2021. In this matter, the state will be represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. On April 30th, 2018, officers with the Laverne Police Department responded to George Buchanan Drive in response to a shooting. Emergency personnel transported the victim, identified as a juvenile, to Vanderbilt Hospital, where the victim later died from their injuries. Also present at the time of the shooting were the victim's younger siblings. Laverne Police Detective Scott Hudgens was assigned as lead investigator. At the conclusion of the investigation, it was determined that the victim was attempting to buy a cell phone that had been advertised on social media, and that Brian Berry and Marquise Hughes had lured the victim to that location with the intent to rob them. During the course of the robbery, either Mr. Berry or Mr. Hughes shot the victim. The defendants have been indicted for first-degree murder, aggravated robbery, and conspiracy to commit the same. Brian Berry is represented by Mr. John Slager, while Marquise Hughes is represented by Assistant Public Defender Ben Wetzel. The state is represented by counsel Mr. Trevor Lynch. This matter is set for trial to begin on January the 24th of next year. On March 31, 2019, the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a residence on Sunset Avenue. Once inside, officers discovered the body of Judith Montmire. Mrs. Montmire had been stabbed multiple times, resulting in her death. Upon the conclusion of the investigation, Murfreesboro Detective Jacob Felton charged Martin Montmire with the first-degree murder of his wife, 53-year-old Judith Montmire. On August 8th of 2019, Mr. Martin Montmire appeared before the General Sessions Court in Rutherford County, and following a preliminary hearing, the court bound the matter over for presentment to the Rutherford County Grand Jury. In November of 2019, the Rutherford County Grand Jury returned a true bill against Mr. Martin Montmire for first-degree murder. Mr. Montmire last appeared before the Circuit Court of Rutherford County on Mart, uh, pardon me, May 13th of this year, where he was represented by Assistant Public Defender Ben Wetzel. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorneys Trevor Lynch and Dana, Mont Dana Meyer. Mart Meyer is, remains in custody and awaits his trial, set to begin on May 9th, 2022. On May 16, 2017, the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to reports of multiple gunshots in the area of Gateway Apartments. Witnesses reported seeing a black male fleeing the area on foot. A gunshot victim, Mr. Kendrick Love, was located in front of one of the apartment buildings. Mr. Love was transported to St. Thomas Rutherford, where he later died from the injuries he sustained in the shooting. Witnesses on the scene established that the victim went to meet an individual for the purpose of selling marijuana. Additional witnesses identified the, identif the individual as Tyshawn Patterson, who matched the description of the male seen running on foot just after the shooting. 
Murfreesboro Police Department Detective Doug Arrington was assigned as lead investigator. At the conclusion of his investigation, it was determined that Mr. Patterson went to the alleged marijuana deal armed with a firearm and with the intent to rob the victim. Mr. Patterson has been charged with first-degree murder and attempted aggravated robbery. He is represented by counsel, Mr. Kyle Parks. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. This matter is scheduled for trial to begin February the 22nd of next year. On October the 8th, 2020, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a shooting that ultimately resulted in the death of 22-year-old Ben Wright. Murfreesboro Police Department Detective Albert Miles has been assigned as the lead investigator. At the conclusion of the investigation, it was determined that Robert Rogers was, re was recklessly handling a firearm that discharged, resulting in the accidental shooting and death of Mr. Rogers' co-worker, Mr. Wright. A Rutherford County grand jury has indicted Roderick Rogers on one count of reckless homicide. He is represented by counsel, Mr. Kevin McGee. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. Mr. Rogers is currently released on bond and is scheduled to appear before the Circuit Court of Rutherford County, Tennessee on September 28th of this year. Finally, on 26th of June, 2019, deputies with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department responded to a residence on Walnut Grove Road. Mr. Terry Barber was found deceased on the floor with his hands and feet bound together. Lead investigator, Detective Steve Brown with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department has charged three individuals, Devin Gailey, Brent Ross, and Vernice Farrar, with first-degree murder, especially aggravated kidnapping, aggravated robbery, aggravated burglary, and fraudulent use of a debit card. Following a preliminary hearing in the General Sessions Court, the cases were bound over to the grand jury. In June of 2020, a grand jury returned a true bill against all three defendants. Devin Gailey is represented by Luke Evans, Brent Ross is represented by Michael Jones, and Vernice Farrar is represented by counsel Amanda Gentry. The state will be represented by myself and Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. All three defendants are next scheduled to appear in court on September the 9th of this year, with a trial set to start on March 21st of 2022. On December the 8th of 2016, Murfreesboro Police Department located the body of Francisca Gomez Cordero in a wooded area off of Elam Road. Francisca Gomez Cordero was an Hispanic female. Based upon their investigation, Murfreesboro detectives have now filed charges against Romulo Hernandez Mayorga. Mayorga has thus far eluded capture. If you have information regarding this case or the whereabouts of Romulo Hernandez Mayorga, please contact Detective Doug Arrington of the Murfreesboro Police Department. The phone number to call is 615-893-1311. That number again, 615-893-1311. And that will conclude today's look inside the courts. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. We're talking with Glenn King. How old were you when you enlisted? Barely 17. In this salute, we talk to a veteran who served in the Korean War. 
After I got out, eventually ended up working for the federal government. I worked in Huntsville, Alabama at the Army Missile Command. Ended up managing several of the major air defense missile systems. One was the Stinger and the Red Eye shoulder-held missile systems. Then there was the Nike Hercules. And then from there, the Hawk missile. In the last system that I had was the Patriot. In the Patriot missile, it, it was highly classified for a long time until the Gulf War. The missiles you're talking about, these are things that are in history books. Well, they're still using some of the systems like the Red Eye and the Stinger. They're heat seekers. You were on the ground floor, so to speak, of seeing these missiles and how they operate and how they're going to be used. One of the things that I was very, very involved in is the training of the armed forces as to how to use the missile systems. Back then, we didn't have any enemies that were trying to encroach on us where we needed to use them. So it wasn't until the Gulf War that we got to use some of them. This has been a WGNS Salute to Veterans with World War II and Korean War veteran Glenn King. In this Call to Conviction segment, I will highlight one of the most significant prosecutions in the history of Rutherford County, Tennessee. It was the very first prosecution in Rutherford County using the three strikes law, a law that sentences the defendant, if convicted, automatically to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And it does not require that the conviction offense be murder. And the case is even more historic because in this case, while the jury was deliberating his fate, the defendant fled the courtroom and absconded from the jurisdiction. This case was the first case in Rutherford County where a defendant was given a life sentence without parole in absentia. This is the Action Line on WGNS. From call to conviction, time now for a look back at one of the more intriguing and important cases for this community. From the crime, the investigation, to the prosecution. Our case study today takes us to Saturday night, December the 15th, 2007. Our location is a Walmart parking lot in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Earlier that evening, Doris Brown had been contacted by a person known as P.T., a person who later was determined to be Robert Lee Adams. Adams was requesting that Doris Brown find him some cocaine. Doris Brown's cousin had apparently been involved in prior drug transactions with Adams. Doris Brown agreed to contact her cousin. Later that night, Adams, Bryant Overton, and two females arrive at Doris Brown's home. Brown and the group then traveled to a Walmart parking lot in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Their purpose was to meet Brown's cousin and obtain cocaine. Brown met her cousin at Walmart, and the deal was completed. She gave the cocaine to Adams, 
Later, Adams tried some of the cocaine, and he complained that it was unsatisfactory. Adams then insisted that Doreese Brown contact her cousin. Brown attempted to reach her cousin on multiple occasions, but was unsuccessful each time. Adams' response was, Someone is going to die tonight. Doreese Brown tried to bargain for her safety. She begged to be let out of the car and even offered to repay Adams herself. But Adams and Overton insisted on seeing her cousin. They kept Doreese Brown against her will in the back seat of the car. Brown was seated with Adams on one side and Overton on the other. The discussion became intense and violent. Adams and Overton found Brown's cell phone and took it away from her. They also took Brown's purse and jacket. They instructed their two female companions to drive to a remote location. The car was driven to a secluded area on Beasley Road in Rutherford County. When the car stopped, Bryant Overton passed a pistol to Robert Adams. Adams pulled Reese Brown from the car. As Brown struggled, Adams shot her multiple times. Doreese Brown, despite her serious injuries, remained quiet. She was playing dead, hoping the shooting would stop. When the shooting stopped, Adams, Overton, and the two females, who had been in the front seat, all fled the scene. On that cold and damp night, they left a seriously wounded Doreese Brown lying on the ground, believing she was dead. But Doreese Brown did not die. She crawled from the roadside onto the road itself. A few minutes later, at 12.45 a.m. on December the 16th, a car stopped just a few feet short of running over Doreese Brown. The car's occupants called the police. Through excellent investigation by the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office, led by Detective Ty Downing, Law enforcement was able to identify the four people involved. On December the 18th, 2007, Robert Adams was arrested by the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office. A few weeks later, on January the 3rd, 2008, Bryant Overton was arrested as well. Following a preliminary hearing, their cases were sent to the Rutherford County Grand Jury. On August the 6th, 2008, the Rutherford County Grand Jury indicted 24-year-old Bryant Overton and 34-year-old Robert Lee Adams. The indictment charged Overton and Adams with the attempted first-degree murder of 30-year-old Doris Brown. The indictment also charged Overton and Adams with especially aggravated robbery, especially aggravated kidnapping, and conspiracy to commit kidnapping. The cases were assigned to the courtroom of Judge David Bragg. Bryant Overton was represented by Murfreesboro attorney William Fraley. Robert Lee Adams was represented by Murfreesboro attorney Kirk Catron. The prosecution was led by Assistant District Attorney J. Paul Newman. After many months of pretrial motions, hearings, and negotiation, a severance was granted. The severance meant that Overton and Adams would have separate trials for their cases. When I return, I will tell you more 
about the state of Tennessee versus Bryant Overton and Robert Lee Adams. Let them walk on. Welcome and hello again, everyone, for Tennessee Home and Farm Radio. I'm Lee Maddox. It's running walk time. Let them walk on. The excitement is building in Shelbyville this week, leading up to the naming of the new world grand champion Tennessee walking horse at the National Celebration. New CEO of the celebration is Warren Wells. We had a great show season all year, kind of leading up into the celebration, and so far the celebration has has been great. We had some great attendances Thursday, Friday. Uh, Saturday of last week, and then then the hurricane came in, and we've kind of been off a little bit. Drying out now, the track's drying out, and we really expect some some high attendance through the rest of the show. Warren Wells says this is the 83rd year for the celebration, and folks from all over turn their attention to this grand horse, especially those in and around Bedford County. We have a lot of barns right here, and and, and maybe the the county's touching touching Bedford. Uh, you know, Franklin, Franklin, Williamson County has quite a few outside of that we've got them coming from everywhere north carolina and south carolina georgia mississippi's a big one um so we, we, we have them come from everywhere and and in still california uh we have we have some that trailer them out from there also wells says entries of horses last year were up by 10 percent as folks were looking to get out after being shut in because of covid and this year they're up even a little more we're at um 2262 uh, pre-show entries, about so 10 more than last year. It comes out to uh, 1,320 uh, individual horses. And the one thing those owners, trainers, and horses are going for is that last entry on Saturday night looking for the title of world grand champion. There's not a soul left in the barns. Every, everyone is out there watching, cheering. So that is going to be our world grand champion, the one that, that, that we're going we're gonna to show everywhere. And for Tennessee Home and Farm Radio, I'm Lee Maddox. The case of the state of Tennessee versus Bryant Overton was the first trial to be scheduled. Bryant Overton's trial began on March the 23rd, 2009. The trial lasted for three days. During the trial, Derese Brown testified. She told the jury that just before she was shot that Robert Adams handed Bryant Overton a gun and that Bryant Overton shot her multiple times, then fled the scene, believing that she was dead. During closing arguments, Overton's attorney, William Fraley, relied heavily on Overton's drug addiction. Fraley closed his argument by saying that on this night, December the 16th, 2007, cocaine was calling the name of Bryant Overton. In his closing argument, Assistant District Attorney J. Paul Newman countered the defense's attempt to blame drugs for Overton's actions. Newman told the jury that on December the 16th, cocaine may have been calling the name of Bryant Overton. But today, with Derese Brown present in this Rutherford County courtroom, it was justice that was calling the name of Bryant Overton. Later that afternoon, 
on March the 25th, 2009. The jury returned with their verdict. They found Bryant Overton guilty of the attempted murder of Doris Brown and guilty of aggravated robbery and guilty of conspiracy to commit kidnapping. On June the 12th, 2009, Bryant Overton returned to the courtroom of Judge David Bragg. Judge Bragg sentenced Bryant Overton to serve a total of 58 years in the Tennessee Department of Corrections. The trial of the state of Tennessee versus Robert Lee Adams began on Monday, December the 14th, 2009. Because Robert Lee Adams had a significant criminal record, including convictions for murder and theft, Assistant District Attorney J. Paul Newman filed notice that should Robert Lee Adams be convicted of the attempted murder offense and or the especially aggravated kidnapping offense, that the state would ask the court to sentence Adams to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Prior to trial, in July of 2009, Robert Adams made bond and was released from jail, free to await his trial. This also meant that during the trial, Adams was free to come and go from the courtroom. After four days of witnesses and proof, in the afternoon of December the 17th, 2009, the case was put in the hands of the jury to decide. While the jury was still out, at approximately 4.15 p.m. that day, Robert Adams left the courtroom and did not return. Later that same afternoon, the jury notified the court that they had reached their verdict. Because Robert Adams had voluntarily fled the court, Judge Bragg brought the jury back to the courtroom to deliver their verdict. The jury found Robert Lee Adams guilty of the attempted murder of Dereese Brown, guilty of especially aggravated kidnapping, guilty of aggravated robbery, and guilty of conspiracy to commit kidnapping. Judge Bragg then set a new court date to sentence Robert Lee Adams on his four convictions. On February the 12th, 2009, while Robert Lee Adams remained at large, Judge Bragg imposed the following sentences. For the conviction of attempted first-degree murder, Judge Bragg sentenced Adams to life in prison without the possibility of parole. For the conviction of especially aggravated kidnapping, Judge Bragg sentenced Adams to a second sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole. On the remaining two counts, Judge Bragg imposed an additional 20-year sentence, all of the sentences to be served in the Tennessee Department of Corrections. Next, I will talk to the lead investigator on the Darice Brown case, Rutherford County Detective Ty Downing. 
Detective Downing, we appreciate you taking the time to be here today. But before we delve into the case itself, I would like for you to tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, where you were educated, what your duties are now, and what motivated you to choose law enforcement as your profession. Sure, good morning. Um, I grew up in, and it was educated in San Diego, California. Um, I moved to Middle Tennessee in 1996 and uh, have been with the sheriff's office ever since then. Um, I guess my motivation to uh, to become involved in law enforcement was my family was was all law enforcement officers. And, um, and truthfully, the rock and roll gig didn't pan out, so I had no other options. So that's what that's what brought us here. Um, so there you go. Okay, and you're quite modest because one of the things you left out was, I understand you were 2020's Exchange Club Police Officer of the Year. And I want to congratulate you on that. All right, well, thank you. Uh, also, Detective Downing, my summary was quite brief, and I'd like to ask you a series of questions designed to tell us more about the investigation of the kidnapping and attempted murder of Derese Brown, and also about the arrest and conviction of Bryant Overton and Robert Adams. First of all, who were some of the Rutherford County Sheriff's officers who were involved in the investigation? And what roles did they play in bringing Bryant Overton and Robert Adams to justice? Sure, um, and most of, those, most of those guys are still with us, uh, employed at the Sheriff's Office today. Um, we had, of course, we had several patrol officers who were supervised by Lieutenant Joe Gray at the time, and uh, those guys were primarily responsible for securing the area because this victim was shot in the middle of a roadway, and, uh, and they did a really good job at that. Um, as far as patrol supervision goes, you know, we had uh, Lieutenant Gray securing the area, and then we were fortunate enough to have uh, David Haley who was still with us uh, on scene as well. And he was, um, he was a detective for a long time, and then he took a promotion to go to patrol as a supervisor. And so he, he had uh, the experience with crime scenes and, and know, knew what needed to be done. And so he made um, immediate contact with the victim who was still alive. And uh, you know, she could barely speak, but she was still alive. And so... He, he, he stayed close to her in case she made any statements that we could use later. And uh, unfortunately, she did recover. But at the time, she did make a statement to uh, David Haley that proved to be useful later on in the investigation. Um, also on scene was uh, my partner, Dwayne Jackson, who's now been promoted to sergeant uh, with uh, investigations. And um, Philip Martin, who was no longer employed by us but he was the uh, the crime scene processor so the primary investigators were was myself and uh, DJ uh, Dwayne Jackson can you tell us about the relationship if there was any between Derese Brown Brian Overton and Robert Adams did they know each other they did um, they weren't close I would say that their relationship was pretty much based upon drugs the use of and the sale of drugs. And Detective Downing, I understand that Brian Overton was, of course, one of the people who were convicted in this case. Can you give us any background information to tell us about 
Brian Overton and what type of a person he was? Well, um, sure. He, he's from Nashville originally, but he was at the time living in Laverne. Um, I believe he worked here and there as a construction worker you know, in the construction trade. He did have a pretty lengthy criminal history uh, that included such offenses as aggravated assault and burglary uh, and that type of uh, crimes. And I understand that he may have been carrying a weapon on this particular occasion. Do you know whether or not he had a legal permit to carry that weapon? He was armed, and no, he did not have a gun permit. What type of weapon was involved in this case? It was a uh, .380 caliber pistol. And can you tell or do you know how many times it was fired and shot at Dries Brown? We were able to collect five shell casings, and I'm confident that was the, the number because there was uh, the road itself was under construction at the time, so there wasn't a whole lot of traffic. So I believe the five that we got was the five that he fired. Now, this was on Beasley Road, and I believe Beasley Road has changed quite a bit since this crime it happened. It sure has, yes. What, what differences from the time that this happened and now have occurred over there? Well, it's like anything in Rutherford County. It, it changes dramatically in just a couple of years. Uh, at the time, Beasley Road, which I believe it's now Veterans, um, was really quiet, you know, right off of uh, Highway 96. Um, so it was under development, was really quiet, and now it's quite busy. The other person who was convicted in this case was Robert Lee Adams. Uh, can you share with us some background information about Robert Lee Adams? Um, yes. Robert Adams um, was from Nashville as well, and at the time he was living in Laverne. Um, I didn't find any employment. You know, In the investigation, I didn't find that he was employed or or was ever regularly employed. It, it was evident by his criminal history that his occupation was narcotics. Um, he um, also had a pretty extensive criminal history of the same type of, you know, violent offenses and, and drug offenses. And I understand that he had a prior murder conviction, which led to us filing the uh, three strikes you're out law. Which that, that's correct, sir. And this was, I believe, the first time the three strikes you're out has been used in Rutherford County. It was. So you have the distinction of the first conviction of that type of case. Uh, yes. Uh, Detective, we don't want to forget the victim in this case. Never do want to forget the victim, Derese Brown. What can you tell us about her? Uh, well, I can tell you that she's doing well now. Uh, and that's, you know, thank God for that. At the time, she was 29. I believe she was 29 years old at the time, so she was a kid. Um, she was a really nice girl. Um, she was just making bad choices at this you know, chapter of her life and with bad people. Um, she was uh, from Franklin County, um, and I'm, I'm not sure what brought her up to, to Rutherford County you know, to live here, but uh, she had uh, you know, some, some bad choices at the time, but she's doing well now, and that's, that's really about it with her. She had some small kids and people that love her. I understand she had some really serious injuries. I remember the doctor testifying. She sure did. And apparently, she uh, has she fully recovered from those injuries, or do those still stay with her? Yeah, I don't think that she'll ever be 100%, um, but she's, she's functioning well, so I'm, I'm told. 
And concerning Doris Brown, we certainly don't want to forget her family who supported her. Right. What can you tell us about the family and how much they cooperated in the investigation and also participating in trial? They were nice folks, um, real nice folks. Um, they're real supportive, and uh, I think they, I think they agree that you know, like what I said earlier, she she was just in a, at a bad chapter in her life, and um, she's she's doing just fine. This was a case where a person was shot. Uh, she was female. She was accosted by two males. There were two other females in the car. At any time, did Doris Brown, was she able to uh, defend herself, or did she have any means to defend herself? No, she didn't. Um, she was essentially being held captive and directed by the others in the car to take her out into the country and get rid of her. Um as far as the defense goes, no, she had she had no no means of defending herself. They forced her to get out of the car and shot her in the back and left her for dead. And as far as motive in this case, I think you were able to pretty clearly establish the motive. What was that? Yes, the the motive was drugs, and particularly specifically, uh, they all collectively in the car, all the defendants believed that Derice was responsible for them purchasing fraudulent cocaine or fake drugs now you've been involved in a number of investigations i think you're uh have worked on the greg hawkins case which is one of our cold cases uh you also did the tina williamson case which i believe has been televised and you were on the television show uh, that involved the murder of jack rains uh, how many investigations approximately do you think you've been involved with concerning homicide um I don't know. Several. Several, yeah, unfortunately. Detective Downing, we want to thank you and the other members of the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office for the excellent work that was performed in bringing both Robert Lee Adams and Bryant Overton to justice. Do you have any parting comments or advice you'd like to give the radio listening public? Well, it, it, you had touched on the Hawkins case. Um, that that case is, is one that's we're, we're all still heavily involved in that case and if anybody does have any information at all about it they they can certainly call crime stoppers there is a reward and or they can call my office directly um, and I can give you that number it's yeah, six, that'd be fine six one five nine zero four three zero two two either either way just just make contact with us um, and we're still very active on that case thank you sir when we return, we will be asking for your help in solving a mystery. It is the murder of someone we can only refer to as John Doe. That case will be highlighted in this month's edition of our Cold Case Profile. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and veteran. You can make a meaningful difference in 2021. KidLink Community Services is currently seeking foster parents in your area. KidLink provides free training and certification. Contact KidLink today at 877-714-1313 or KidLinkServices.com. Every homicide, every rape, every robbery affects the entire community. People who are victims of these crimes need closure. The people who committed these crimes must be held accountable. Law enforcement needs the community's help in seeking justice. 
Please listen as we review an unsolved mystery in this month's Cold Case Profile. On August the 1st, 1978, the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office responded to a call reporting that a body had been found at the Pool Knob Recreation Area on Percy Priest Lake. When officers arrived at the scene, they learned that the park custodian had noticed smoke coming from the edge of the woods. When the park employee investigated, he made a bizarre discovery. He found a man's body wrapped in burning blankets. The officers processed the scene. Blood is located in the boat ramp parking lot area. This indicated to investigators that the body had been dragged from the parking lot into the wooded area where the body was set on fire. There was no identification found on the victim. It has never been established who the victim was. From that day forward, he has been referred to as John Doe. At the autopsy, it was determined that the victim had suffered multiple gunshot wounds and that the victim had suffered burns over 50% of his body. It has been over four decades since the body of John Doe was discovered. His killer or killers remain at large. The Rutherford County Sheriff's Office continues to investigate and continues to ask for your help. If you have information regarding the identity of John Doe, or information as to who is responsible for his death, please contact the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office. The number to call is 615-904-3038. That number again is 615-904-3038. Help us identify John Doe. Help us bring closure to his loved ones. Help us solve a murder and help us bring the person who murdered John Doe to justice. Old friends, new name, better together, as First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County, but we'll always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. As we end our program today, we want to thank our special guest from the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office, Detective Ty Downing. We appreciate WGNS providing the airtime. And we thank our producer, Nick Coyne. Most of all, we thank you for listening. Our next scheduled broadcast is Friday morning, October the 1st at 8, 10 a.m. On your good neighbor station, WGNS. We leave by saying, a safe community is the responsibility of each and every one of us. For my co-host, Jennings Jones, this is Paul Newman, bidding all of you a safe and blessed day. 
The District Attorney's Office thanks you for listening to today's program. If you have any information regarding criminal activity in our community, please contact one of our law enforcement agencies. The information presented on today's show is solely for informational benefit and not intended to be legal advice. You should always consult an attorney whenever you need or rely on legal advice. Rutherford County's most trusted name in news. Talk Radio WGNS, Murfreesboro. News Radio, WGNS, Murfreesboro, the voice of Rutherford County.